1: The Brothers, for you and I to live for the kingdom of God, it's going to require a, a perspective shift, a new way of thinking, a new mindset. What in the world would it mean to pray, Thy kingdom come? Seek first the kingdom of God. Know that your home is in heaven and live as if that's your goal. What we've done in the past simply can't be done anymore that we lived our life in a certain manner because it was basically a Christian world, a
0: Christian culture that we're living in. That time, those times are over. It's not enough to be a believer. It's not. You, it is not sufficient for you just to believe and that's it. You cannot be a believer. Being a believer leads to being a follower.
1: Instead of all these things we're worried about that consume our thoughts and our minds, instead of using your mental energy on that, instead, seek his kingdom. What in the world would it mean to pray my kingdom come. Well,
0: folks, I'm excited. It's January 18th, a Tuesday, and we're back for one more conversation with our good friend, Mike Janung of, of Blazing Grace Ministries. So, Mike, welcome back. Thanks for, for joining us one more time.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, and, and so excited to have you here. And, and Mike, you're no stranger to Northwest Christian School. You've spoken at our Big Boys on Campus prayer breakfast for men. And previously, you've been a part of this podcast. Uh, I, I'm even excited that I've got a group of young men that's starting to work through your book, mm-hmm. Rogue, Rogue Christian. Uh, which is pretty cool. But for those of you that are not familiar uh, with Mike or Blazing Grace, Mike, I'm wondering if you could kind of illuminate what is your your ministry? Um, what do you do? What is the impact that you have in the community? And what are the resources that you make available to, to families, to churches,
1: and so forth? Sure. Uh, we're in an international ministry who helps the sexually broken Recovering, heal, meaning people who struggle with porn addiction, sex addiction, adultery. Uh, we have courses, eight-week courses by phone for men and wives. We'll be adding one for youth very soon because wow. we're getting more and more youth coming our way. I've written eight books uh, with a ninth coming out actually this month. Hmm. Second series of second the series of the Rogue Books. It'll be called Living a Life That Counts for Eternity.
0: Oh, really? So it's kind of a continuation of those those precepts that you put forward in Rogue Christian?
1: Yep. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, we have uh, international partners who translate my books into Italian and German, and we have partners over there in, in Finland, too. So God has blessed us.
0: Yeah, and it's certainly it's certainly I I would say that sexual sin, lust, pornography this is the atom bomb that has gone off in in the lives of so many of our of our young people, and and what's so shocking to me about that is that as a community, as is the church, we're still not addressing it as head on as we need to be, even though we can see uh, so frequently the devastation it's yielded in the lives of young people, families, uh, marriages. Um, it's, it's so hard to address. It's so hard uh, for us to come around it, and and that's unfortunate because if we are going to get around it, it's going to require, as we talked about yesterday, it's going to require prayer. It's mm-hmm. going to require our invitation to the Holy Spirit to do its perfect work in our lives and, and to, to do what the Holy Spirit has promised to do to convict us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. But I'm thankful for your ministry. And, and folks, if, if this is something that uh, you've dealt with, um, if this is something you are dealing with, if not, it's something you will deal with. <laughs> if you're one of the very, very few families that has been blessed not to have been impacted in some way uh, by this particular issue, I would say get ready. Get ready. Uh, and, and by getting ready, I mean, be aware of what resources are available uh, before you need them. So Blazing Grace is a great place to turn. Uh, but Mike, on your website, blazinggrace.org, you have an amazing, article that you've written, Your Marriage is a Big Deal to God. Mm -hmm. Simple title, potent title. I love it. And that's where I'd really like to focus our kingdom culture conversation today. Uh, For our students, growing up is hard, and it just, you know, the reality is it seems so slow for many of our young men and women, especially those that have never dated or maybe even had a serious dating relationship, marriage seems so far off and so far away. But the reality is that every day we can both engage in certain behaviors and we can avoid other behaviors that will strengthen a future marriage and enrich a future relationship with a, with a spouse. What advice would you give to students that are kind of stuck in the in-between. They want that relationship. They want that boyfriend, that girlfriend, but they're not there yet. Mm -hmm. What can we do today to prepare for the relationship of tomorrow specifically to make sure that that relationship is healthy?
1: Mm -hmm. The average age of people who come to us where they got their first exposure to porn is eight. Mm. And... These are men who come to us in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I even talked to an 80-year-old several months ago. They've been addicted to porn all their life and they basically destroy their life and you know, we hear stories where if a couple in their 50s or 60s the wife just discovered her husband's porn addiction and it blows everything up. Yeah. And so the thing to realize in the very beginning is your choices today If you're looking at pornography, it has the power to destroy not only your marriage, but your walk with God. Because what happens is over a period of time when you immerse yourself in this stuff, the heart goes hard, it goes cold, you become angry and critical. We're dealing with a couple right now where the husband, um, he's getting ready to go to jail. Um, I forget he's either gotten out of jail, but... Uh, This thing will take you places you never thought it would. I had a guy on our radio show just a week ago who um, he shared that just porn took him to a place where he spent 18 months in prison. And every single week there are men in the church who are being arrested for child pornography. They did not one day wake up and say, I'm going to cross the boundary and I'm going to get in so deep that this is going to take me and... Strip me my freedom and get me arrested. Yeah. So today, if you're looking at this stuff, I don't care. Hold your eight, nine, ten. It is not a harmless little thing. It will destroy your life. It will destroy your marriage, and it can destroy your faith. Because there comes a point where we cannot have two ends for the middle. We cannot have God, and we cannot have our sin. Yeah. So I want to speak to you right now. If you're going through something like that, and you're a teen or whatever age you're at, it's critical that you do not cover it up anymore. You need to get plugged in with a safe group, a guy, a youth pastor, Chris. You call him G here, yeah, I'm Mr. G. <laughs> Somebody here, because isolation feeds the problem. Isolation makes less grow stronger. And you saw that in
0: the pandemic, didn't you? You yeah. saw your, your counseling, the, the counseling aspect of your ministry just blew up mm-hmm. during the pandemic for that very reason.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it shot through the roof after March of 2020.
0: Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. And, and I think that's the, the piece that I would really emphasize is that we have to recognize from Scripture two things. Number one, the wages of sin is death, period. It, it everything that, there's an author that that I I read it, it he put it this way a paraphrase everything sin touches dies mm-hmm. and so as we prepare for that future relationship uh it's it's something that that students may think well it's too far off it's it's so far removed from my reality right now what what I'm doing today isn't going to truly impact my marriage of tomorrow that's not true it it's if you're not um preparing for that that wedding that marriage that relationship today you will be unprepared and i think one of the most important things that we can do is is to keep ourselves pure to to hold our minds and to hold our bodies to hold our spirits to a spiritual standard and one of the things that i talk about with with young men especially is i tell them imagine today that you are married. And and I just tell them, you are married. You've not yet met her. Uh, you may have not have met her, uh, but you're married just the same and, and recognize that someday you're going to be having conversations with your fiance or your wife about the decisions and the things that you're doing today. And so the best thing we can recognize is though, though I've not yet met her, perhaps uh, the reality is, is I'm forming that relationship. Today in your in your article there's a hugely powerful statement that you make. And I'm just going to read it. it says, "When the Lord opened my eyes your eyes, Mike, uh, to how big my marriage is in his eyes, my heart was lanced. With conviction, I was forced to admit that I didn't get it for much of the first 20 years of our marriage. We'd been married since 1989. There were plenty of moments when I was loving to Michelle, so it wasn't all bad, but I had grasped from the start how much our relationship but I had not grasped how much our relationship meant uh, to God. I think that's powerful. I would have. I might have approached things in her differently. Can you talk a bit about that statement? What what does that mean? The issues that you fell into, um, was it on account of the fact that you didn't have a proper
1: understanding of marriage? It came from different places. One is my family was not very healthy growing up. Mm -hmm. So what... Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I spoke at a men's conference a while ago and I asked the guys who grew up with a close relationship with dad to raise their hands. Not one hand went up. Wow. So a lot of men grow up that we see and they watch their dad and their dad's kinda checked out, not close to mom, and so what they're already modeled right out the gate is that, well, you know, we're here, marriage is, you know, whatever it is and I'm going to go to work and do my thing. So that's what we're exposed to often growing up. And then so we have a blank slate and then I get married and then I'm addicted to porn from my, you know, before marriage and porn causes spiritual blindness. It causes emotional blindness. So we can't see or understand things with clarity. So and when I'm doing pornography, I'm totally focused on me, Mm. the self, what self wants. Which is the exact opposite of the marital relationship. Absolutely. So all I cared about me was about me and what I wanted and when I wanted to get it. And so 10 years after our marriage, God broke me free. But I still had a lot of growing up to do on unwinding all the damage of all those years of self-absorption and pride and arrogance. And and then as you know, you look at scripture, how does it begin? It begins with Marriage. <laughs> what is being assaulted today? Marriage. Yep. Husbands and fathers are idiots, is what the culture tells us. So you've got all these messages that are really, you know, screwing you up. But what God showed me is that I put the two of you together. That is a big deal. Yep. And when a couple is in ensnared in, snared in marriage they take each other for granted and the wife thinks my husband is my enemy and the husband can think "Ah, i want her to go away she's just an egg and they and they and they totally lose sight of that all of creation began with marriage and and when the king of the universe puts me together with my wife that's huge and she's my gift yeah but i had not seen that
0: Well, and how does—I have to imagine that in some of the situations that you deal with, especially in the counseling perspective, that I'm going to guess that a lot of marriages don't survive. How did your relationship with your wife—how did your
1: marriage survive? And you're right. Um, We see a lot of healed marriages in the ministry, but we also see tragedies. We see divorces. And uh, we didn't know what we were doing. (laughs) Hmm. So, after I made my first disclosure to her in '91 of having sex with the prostitute, uh, we got into marriage counseling, and that helped quite a bit. <clears throat> and, and but the dev- the thing is you've got to be very careful with, as I've learned and heard the hard way I hear this all the time, is that there are a lot of counselors out there that do more damage than good, and we were fortunate. I mean, this was 1991. That we hear pastors and counselors who tell wives, your husband's porn problem is your fault Oh, goodness. Because you didn't give him enough sex or you're whatever. You didn't measure up in this way or spiritual abuse. What they'll tell them is um, what we hear is that, well, you know, you're supposed to submit to your husband even though he's a porn addict. So in other words, you're, he gets to go and commit adultery and rip your heart to pieces But you need to submit to that. And you're not doing enough. Wow. Even though she has biblical grounds to walk away because pornography is adultery. Mm. So you ask how we survive. It was really (laughs) by the grace of God. And those early years after after the disclosure were really rough. Um, A lot of people didn't know how to deal with that stuff at that time. And there was screaming and crying and fighting and arguing and confusion and not knowing how to communicate. But. God got us through it. Wow. Praise God. And you've got an amazing
0: family today is testimony to that. And I think part of part of what I see you model which I think is so powerful is number one, humility. And and I love the fact that you are able to to just discuss with real authenticity your issues. And and that requires humility. The second thing is just that complete um transparency where, where you're just speaking uh, truth boldly and you're articulating things that are frankly hard to hear, but at the same time, it's in that candor and it's in that, that transparency that the, the healing starts. And so thank you for that. That's, that's, that's awesome. So, you know, your article also uh, wisely calls attention to the fact that whether married or getting ready for marriage, we need mentors who can guide us in model strong marriages. Um, you also mention avoiding certain types of mentors. Uh, can you talk a bit about that, especially for our students? As they grow in their preparedness for marriage um, someday. What sorts of mentors and what sorts of mentorship type relationships would be advantageous for our students?
1: Well, the context of that article was for couples who are trying to recover from adultery. Mm-hmm. So, what we um, unfortunately see a lot of is that a wife it gets out that her husband is viewing porn, and we will hear, you know, other Christian women saying, "Divorce them, be done with them, wipe them off." Uh, so, um, those are not the type of people you want to be hanging around with who don't. And really, what it comes down to is they just don't want to deal with your pain. Yeah. They just want to dispense a couple Bible verses um, and then they don't really want to go all the way with you. So, the best people to work with, to have friends with, is people who have suffered. Um, those are the best counselors. There are some counselors who are really just giving you their education, but suffering has a language all of its own. And those who have been who have suffered are the best ones to walk with. So when I'm looking for friends, I'm not looking for somebody who's going to preach to me. I can read the Bible all I want. I'm looking for somebody who's going to be real with their faults, somebody I can be real with my faults. And the way we do this we're looking is we just give them a teeny little tidbit of our story and see how they react. Mm. We don't give them the whole dump one time because if there's somebody who's arrogant or is going to rip us for making mistakes, you're just giving them ammo to wound you with. Sure. So we want to look for people who realize they're broken and don't have the answers, are not going to try and fix you, but will walk with you, accept you as you are. That's what I call Jesus with skin on. We all need Jesus with skin on. Yep. Those relationships, that is, that is good. And, and
0: two, it it there's within that particular piece of guidance. I hear one other thing that I think is critical for people to understand, and that is to say that in order to be that friend, that friend who is authentic, that friend who has walked through the pain, you need to have endured hardship. Mm-hmm. And we live in a culture where we panic when things get hard. Uh, especially as parents, when we watch our kids walk through hard, we would do anything to help them avoid that. But we have to recognize whether it's in our lives or the lives of our children, sometimes that hard has a very specific purpose. Sometimes it's part of God's perfect and loving design. Uh, He doesn't, he's not the architect of hard, but sometimes he'll permit it, um, because he'll allow our hearts to be, sh- you know, to be shaped by it, so that we can become that voice to someone else down the line. Mm-hmm. We can help somebody, and that's maybe that's where we'll end today. Is just that idea of Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good for them that love God and that are called according to His purposes. And and the first two words of that verse, Romans eight all things you can get lost in that because really God is going to be able to use some of the tragedies some of the some of the hardships that, that we've seen and heard um, for his glory and and yeah again we live in a broken world it's not the world he created biblical worldview says that God created a perfect creation and it was our pride that caused that perfect creation to fall. And so we walk today in sin, but even even within that we have this wonderful opportunity to take those hurts, to take that hard, to put that on the altar with with God and say God use this us for your ends. Use this to your glory, so Mike, any, any, you've been so gracious uh, you've, you've spoken uh, to our to our men and the big boys on campus. prayer breakfast you, you've talked to our community through the podcast, and I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Any closing words of encouragement uh, for our families, for our students, uh, for anybody that's listening today?
1: Uh, encouragement for families to pray together once a day. Mm. Um, we try to do that. We don't always make it as a family, but we do, you know, that's what we strive for. Couples to pray together once a day, they did a study and found out that couples who do not pray together divorce the national average. Couples who do pray together once a day divorce 1 out of 1056. Wow. So prayer is the great game changer in your family.
0: Yeah. And that's what I will leave with. Boy, that's and, and say no more. That's a mic drop moment, and, <laughs> and we will do just that. We'll drop these mics, folks. Thank you for, thank you for tuning in to to a very, very important, uh, potent uh, Kingdom Culture conversation today. Take care.